0: So when you're talking to someone, and again, it doesn't matter if you're trying to sell billions, millions, or or you know, whatever, um, asking questions is a great thing, right, in any interaction. And so we would give them a list of questions and say, all right, you're going to call this investor, they've invested with us in the past, and all we want you to do is find out what's going on with them, right? And if that's 80% of your conversation, and you never say anything or pitch anything,
1: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Stacy Havener. Stacey, thanks for making time.
0: Jess. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure.
1: So uh, founder of Havener Capital Partners, you've raised over $8 billion for these investment funds for for people who don't know what a third party marketer is. Can we start there?
0: <laughs> yes, of course. Um, was, this is probably one of the, the most interesting conversations I have with people and they're like, what do you do? Or I have friends who are like... Um, I tried to tell someone what you do, but I don't really get it. So yes, it's um, third-party marketing is essentially um, sitting between two tribes, if you want to call them that. So on the one hand, we have um, the investment managers, the funds that we represent. Uh, on the other hand, we have investors who are looking for funds to invest in. And we're in the middle. So our job, um, our clients are technically these fund managers. We basically help them do sales and marketing. We help them find their tribe of investors um, and and make that connection.
1: And so um, for people who may not be, you know, may, may be somewhat familiar, but not not fully. You know, Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about where that fits into the world between broker dealers and RIAs versus, um, you know, a placement agent versus, you know, stuff like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it is, um, there are a lot of, there is a lot of nomenclature to use your word. Um, So essentially where we sit, so we're, uh, let's go back to that example of kind of being, you know, between those two tribes and being that connector uh, so those investment funds um, typically they are registered companies. Uh, a lot of them are larger in asset size and maybe are launching something new. The tribe that we work with on the investor side is is the RIA channel, um, and so they are they are group you know independent typically um, groups that manage ultra high net worth or high net worth family money. And so we're in between them. Um and uh and I mean not to get into the weeds. Technically we are registered since we are doing sales. Um but we kind of sit between the advisors managing funds, the asset managers and the RIA and family office channel.
1: Great. So um let's let's kind of start with the size. You know, there's so yeah. many there's so many folks who um, at least in the entrepreneur community, so many of us have a buddy who raised a million or 5 million bucks for his tech company or, or, right. you know, raised a bunch of money for their, to do a real estate deal with some friends. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, so often for, for most of us in the entrepreneur space that, that has an M on it, not a B yeah. on it. Yeah. So yeah. can you talk about scale? Cause sure. Can you, anyways, can you talk about how the game is different when you're raising billions?
0: Yeah. Um, So it's probably I mean, there's probably not a lot of differences except some zeros, really. Um, And I think that's one of the things that is is a myth or maybe just misunderstood that somehow because you've added some zeros to the to the number, it has some, you know, magic or something to it. It doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, any sales and marketing, whether it's to raise private funds, you know, when you talked about your buddies raising money, VC money, um, whether it's selling a widget, whether it's like trying to find a client for your hair salon, it doesn't really matter what it is you're selling or how many zeros are on it at the end of the day sales is really an interaction between people. And while there might be some complexities, depending on the you know, an interest, intricacies or nuances on the actual sales process itself, at the end of the day, it's still people sitting there trying to decide if they should work together. And I think that's probably one of the differentiators we have in this space. I didn't grow up kind of in the investment world. I'm not a finance major. I, you know, I'm a a literature major who wrote poetry and, you know, (laughs) likes to tell stories. And so I think for me, I didn't have the background of knowing I was supposed to be something in the investment world, or I was supposed to use certain words or give certain stats. I just knew I have this really cool manager on this side and this really awesome investor on this side, and I think they would vibe on each other and and that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many zeros are attached to it.
1: yeah, so um, when you think about uh well let, let's start with this. you know I think about yeah. the, the few months we've been hanging out uh, talking about ideas, I'm pretty mm-hmm. excited about your taking back the one percent platform and <laughs> yeah. your yeah. speeches and your 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 cause here. can you can Thank you talk you. to people about that?
0: Yeah, of course. So again, trying to like you know debunk it and maybe let's knock some zeros off it and just bring it down, you know, back down to earth. I think um, you know within the investment space, just like within any industry, there's a concentration, right? There's a there's a, a group of of people or firms that control the majority of the assets and some of that is just math right The Pareto principle is real and it says that 20% of something you know 20% of, of an industry let's say should have 80% of the assets or 20 of your com- of your clients or, or customers should be responsible for 80% of your of your revenue. Um, and that's fine, except when you get to the fund industry, it's 3%. It's not 20%. It's 3% of the firms that have 80% of the assets. And we're talking, again, now we'd add even more zeros because this is trillions of dollars. And it's getting worse. So every year since 2015, though that 3% has taken 1% more. And to the tune of $170 billion per year. And you have a whole bunch of fund companies. You have a whole bunch of people who are very talented who are sort of underdogs in this very lopsided equation. And that's kind of where we live. So, you know, I usually give the example, and and maybe some of your listeners will know BlackRock. So they're they're one of the 3%, they're one of the largest. You know, they kind of flip flop with Vanguard as being some of the largest fund managers yeah, have out there, like
1: seven trillion under management. Right it's now. Rid-
0: It's crazy. I mean, it's like it's numbers like, you know, you can't some calculators probably don't even like it's like it turns the E, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can't compute that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I always give the example that like I'm not interested in helping BlackRock get even another dollar. And they probably don't care. Right. They, they're like, we've got plenty of dollars. We don't need you. Yeah. Where we live is in, you know, sort of everybody else, that we really believe that just because you're the biggest doesn't mean you're the best. And there are a lot of very talented, undiscovered managers that deserve a shot. And so, and we've had that mission of kind of standing for the undiscovered, of of standing for the underdogs um, for 10 years. I'm about to you know, celebrate our 10 year anniversary here in March. Um, but we've never really sort of like been vocal about it. And I think Jess, you know, just conversations with you and some of our other friends have really helped me with this to, store, to sort of like call your shot and, and let everybody know that this is what you stand for. And so every time I see these industry stats and see these, these publications, I get pissed off. I get really angry. <laughs> I'm like, this is just not right. You know, I'm the one that is cheering, like the movie Miracle we watched as a team a couple years ago, we rented out a movie theater and we watched the the movie Miracle about the hockey team, Mm -hmm. the US versus Russia, like those things speak to my soul. So when I see this dichotomy, I'm like, this is BS. And so we did, we called our shot and we said, you know, we want to take 1% back. It's great that, you know, you 3% are collecting 170 billion every year, but we think it's BS and we think it's wrong. And we want to, you know, kind of mobilize a tribe to do something about it. And, and so, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're trying and, to figure out how to help more boutiques get a fair chance, get in front of investors and get their shot at a billion.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of people who say stuff like that with their own staff around their own table and write it on their <laughs> yeah. own whiteboard. And that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. But you actually went in like, said this at investment conferences and are running webinars that people from all over are tuning into, you know, like it it wasn't just like patting yourself on the back for your bold ideas. You're actually taking action on it. Can you talk a little bit about the response?
0: Yeah, I mean, first I'll say it's like I totally was the one writing on the blackboard and like saying it to my team and then we like high five each other. You know, you're like, yeah, cool. And then you're like, no one knows except us talking to ourselves. Um, And it probably has to start there. And and yeah, the response has been crazy. So here again, like going back to your first question about what is it like? What are the differences when you're talking about billions of dollars versus millions or even like thousands? And, and my response was, it's it's not that different. What's crazy is when you when I say these things to people, um, the response is just like it warms my heart, and it it's so validating because at the end of the day, I'm not the only one who loves that movie Miracle, right? Yeah. I'm not the only one that cheers for Rocky. Yeah. Uh, people love underdogs. They love to cheer for the David against the Goliath. And by and large, most people are in that boat. So when I've been saying it, it's been an incredible response. I had one uh, person send me an email and, and she said, I want you to know I'm I'm buying a WWSD bracelet and I'm gonna wear it around as inspiration and it's what would Stacy do? And <laughs> it just like it's like, you know, I, I I it's it's one of those things where it's so terrifying. And I'm i I'm a wicked introvert. So if you're in that camp, like trust me, I'm not somebody that's super comfortable like saying things like this or says them on a whim. Um, but when you put yourself out there, when you're willing to be vulnerable, when you're willing to repel, right. When I'm willing to say, I'm not interested in helping anybody who's in the 3%, not that you care, but don't bother calling me because it's not going to happen. Um, when you're willing to do that, you'll just be overwhelmed by the love your tribe gives back to you.
1: (laughs) I love it. Well, I actually think this would be a great thing to maybe spend a bunch of time on the show on is. Like you said, in in many ways, it's just humans working with humans and the number yeah. of zeros changes, right? Yep. yep. Um, and at the same time, there is a level of sophistication required. You know, you, like yes. when when it's time for the pitch, you know, those cliches, like yeah. when the time for action has come, <laughs> the time for preparation has ended, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, with your years and years of doing this at, at such a significant success rate, can we just start talking about some principles of just... You know, if there is somebody who's raising a fund, or there's somebody who's thinking yeah. about, they would like to be a fund manager at some point, but, um, but it's intimidating to think about coming up with that much cash. You know, you yeah. and I have had some conversations about. I'm thinking specifically about one individual on your team that that really has some excellent skill sets at this. Can you talk about some things that they do different, or some some things that you do, maybe do different than sure. your average fundraiser that that get those yes. outsized results?
0: Yes, it's a great question. And, you know, the, the person we were talking about has been with me for a long time. And I can tell you in all of our sales training, there were many times that I'm sure he felt like every time he turned around, I was like, you know, kicking him in the teeth. Um, Because I think what happens with salespeople and certainly in our industry, because of course, like you're talking about big dollars and big dollars attract a lot of egos. And so you get salespeople who get very wrapped up in, you know, who they represent, who they work for, who they are, what they have to say. And so sometimes you have to sort of beat that out of them, that like that's not actually how you get anything done. And, and again, it all sounds so basic and maybe, you know, people will be rolling their eyes, but I'm telling you that it works because we've done this repeatedly, like taken million-dollar funds and turned them into billion-dollar funds. Um, and And the big thing is the first thing you have to know is no one cares about you. Literally. (laughs) No one gives, they don't care. What they care about is themselves and how you can make their life better, easier, solve a problem, help them harness an opportunity. That's what they care about. So when you see a typical fund manager or really anybody in sales, you know, pitch, it starts with, here's who I am. Here's, you know, here's who I work for. Here's like our collective years of experience, which is like thousands, and we manage gobs of money. And the whole time, it's about them, right? It's about that salesperson and that firm that they're pitching. So let's when really the person receiving it is like, I don't give, I don't care. How what? How are you going to help me?
1: Well, let let's dive into this. I think we should just let, let's just go over some of the basics. Things like follow up. Yeah. Things like knowing what their daily life is like, so that I'm I've yes. thought up answers to their problems before they even knew, before they even thought of the problem. And just, you know, I, I, I think about what I've learned from you and this idea of just sitting down and listening and asking them about their mandate and their restrictions and what it takes to get something past their investment board um, meeting, you know, investment committee meeting. Can, can we just, let's just do like, let's let's just start a list. So, so I'm a new rep. I just got a job at Havener capital and I've got some salesy experience. I've got, you know, like you've got a little something to work with, but assume I don't know that much. So <laughs> yeah. let's yeah. Give, give me some basics.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is you know, exactly what we just said, which is first realize no one cares about you and you that's like step one and you're like halfway there and being a good salesperson at this point. Um, and when you so when you're talking to someone and again, it doesn't matter if you're trying to sell billions, millions or or, you know, whatever. Um, asking questions is a great thing, right, in any interaction. And so we would give them a list of questions and say, all right, you're going to call this investor. They've invested with us in the past, and all we want you to do is find out what's going on with them, right? And if that's 80% of your conversation and you never say anything or pitch anything or have a statement, all you do is ask questions, that's brilliant. Because then you can take everything they say to you and turn it into something, some way you can help them. Some problem they mentioned that we might have a solution for, something they're excited about that we have a manager who specializes in that exact thing. And so that's what we would do. We would say, you know, first just start off with like, how are you? What's going on? Happy New Year. Like, what are you working on? How is the, you know, just get them comfortable talking with you about themselves, Right. Like, what's going on in your world? And then you can transition to things like, what are the research priorities? What are you guys working on? Before I start throwing up all over you about what I have to sell, why don't you tell me what is important to you right now? And, and that's first. And you'd be surprised when you ask somebody just like, what are you working on? What's important to you? What they are going to say. And if it still feels awkward, we might say to them, well, what, when you're in investment committee meetings, like what are, what's happening? What are you guys talking about? Or when you're meeting with your end clients, what are those families talking about? You know, what are they worried about? Um, And those conversations, you'll find so many tidbits of information that then at the end you could say, and literally it could be this short. um, Awesome. Based on what you said here and here. I think I have some really cool ideas for you. So I know I've taken up a lot of your time. This is great. Stay tuned. I'm gonna send you some emails. Um, you, know, you know, be be right there, right? BRB. Um, so you, you have what you need to then, like if you're not confident to do it right then and there on the phone, don't. Just say you get, you, I have some really cool stuff for you. Hang on, <laughs> okay? They're not, they don't need it right then then you can go and craft your email and talk to your colleagues and talk to your research team and say something useful based on all these fabulous research notes you have from your conversation. For someone who's more a senior, it might be do it right then and there. You know, you said X, I have a manager who does Y, give them a couple bullet points from just like the client profile stuff we do. And boom, like they're like, Oh, that sounds really cool.
1: And can that's you talk all about all you need yeah, but can you talk about that? so I want to dig into some of this. Can you talk about that yeah. right there of the difference between you know putting the hook out there and seeing if you get a nibble, and if you do get a nibble, like keeping the curiosity, having that lead to the next meeting versus now seeing that as permission to throw up on them
0: well, that's exactly it, so you have to like you have to embrace that you're not not every so you know just stepping back one second. So where we sit, we have multiple funds we represent. Right. And so we can't assume just like anybody with any product or service, you can't assume that everything you have is a perfect fit for every single person you ever talk to in life. Right. So it, it discounts my, um, like my trustworthiness, and and sort of my friendship and support as a colleague if i start you know spouting off stuff that's totally irrelevant to what the person just said. So if i if i look at my my suite of products that i'm representing and nothing is a fit, i should say that. Like, you know, right now based on what you said, i probably don't have anything that's a great fit, but more than likely we're going to have something and it might be one or two things. And I loved what you said, Jess, because it's everything. I think one of the challenges that people in sales have is you get so excited. We do as a group, as salespeople, we get so excited about what we're doing that we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. You're interested in that. I have the perfect thing. Now, I don't care like if you have a meeting in five minutes, I have 20 minutes worth of pitching I'm going to do right now, right on this phone call before you leave. Um, and that's bad. You said something that was so great, which is, I want to pique their interest enough for the next thing. And that's why sometimes less is more. Most often, it's always more. But like, if you say, I have a great idea for you, and you follow up quickly with it, they're going to read it because they don't know what it is. And humans are curious, right? But if I throw up on you right then and there, you're gonna, the person receiving that information is like, I don't have time for this. Um, I can't track with you. You're talking a mile a minute. And like, now I feel like we just went from like, you know, a first date to like the altar in seriously a 45 minute conversation. And it's just too much for me to take in. And so spacing it out and kind of focusing on that incremental next step is everything you don't need to do. You know, you don't need to solve. You're not going to close the deal in the first conversation. So just get it out of your head. It's not going to happen.
1: I love it. You know, I know we're about up for time on on part one of the interview here. Um, I think what we should do part two, let's just continue. Let's everybody tune in for part two of the interview. We're just going to keep going down the list. Um, <laughs> awesome. So Stacey, <laughs> if people want to connect with you or they want to follow you personally, or they want to talk to your yeah. company about representing their fund, what what are a couple of best places for them?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, so our fund kind of oriented website would be havenercapital.com. And maybe Jess can put that in the show notes, um, on the personal side, I just am launching my Stacyhavener.com website. So you can check that out. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm 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 miserable at social media. I'm working on it. It's one of my 2020 goals. So bear with me. I'm on LinkedIn. You can certainly connect with me. But just know that like I'm not. I'm that's kind of a whack part of my presence right now. <laughs> but bear with me. Bear with me. <laughs> and, and everybody,
1: Havener is H-A-V-E-N-E-R. That's correct. Okay. Tune in for part two, everyone. Thanks.